0: Very special edition, an epic edition, in fact, of wrestling with the future. I'm your host, Second Medo, Angelo. Joined as I am every week by the Happy Haberdasher, the smartest guy in the room, Dan, the man, Sebastiano. Dan, how you doing tonight?
1: I'm great. This is uh one of the episodes you look forward to when you get into this business. Jones, I look the, forward uh, to
0: any episode where I don't have to share it with Mike Messier or
1: oh. someone
0: else. <laughs>
1: well. This this is personal for me because you know I started in, in wrestling as a, a a historian and it was the Pro Wrestling Spotlight radio show I listened to when I was a kid that got me into the wrestling history. So yeah, no way is, I was psyched when Angelo no told me way. who he booked. So I'm look, really looking forward to this.
0: Oh yeah, I know Dan was excited about this. Well, let uh, without further ado, let us uh, let's introduce our guest by way of saying Pro Wrestling Spotlight was the first notable radio program. To peek the inside behind the veil, an inside look at the business, it was ahead of its time in many ways. A lot of people referred to this program as a virtual or electronic dirt sheet. It was (laughs) the first of its kind, really innovative at the time. The man behind this brainchild was the innovator, the originator, the guy I call the innovator and originator. His name is John Rezzi. He now releases classic episodes of his Pro Wrestling Spotlight on the Arcadian Vanguard Network. It's our friend Brian Last there uh, and, and his fine team of guys, and they have done a remarkable job, and I want to tell you, John, they have done a remarkable job of preserving the history and the originality of that content to uh, to as close to original as you can possibly get it. And it really is a, an amazing a time capsule back in in wrestling history. The show visited such luminaries as Bruno, Bruno San Martino, Scott Hall, Terry Funk, Paul Heyman. John will tell us a lot about Paul tonight. And many more icons in the business. In fact, this show made him an icon of the business, ladies and gentlemen, a man known by many names. He is called John Anthony, John Alexander. Some people called him John Resi. John, you are my guest. You are my friend. Welcome. Welcome home.
2: Well. Thank you. It's great to be here with you guys tonight. I uh, had spent the last uh, couple of days listening to some of your past episodes and totally enjoyable. I'm happy to be here and uh, open it up to whatever you want to discuss, anything you want.
0: Well, let's, let's uh, open it up with this. You know, you heard me say in the introduction, you were one of the very wow. first wrestling radio programs. Yeah. Now, as far as I remember, and I think I, my history is pretty good. I think you go back to probably the first episode I'm aware of was probably April or May of 89-ish, somewhere around there. uh, April
2: the 9th, 1989 was the first commercial uh, episode of Pro Wrestling Spotlight on WNYG, Babylon, New York. I did start um, Pro Wrestling Spotlight actually in 1975 in college. Uh, so i uh I broadcast it from our uh, the junior college i went to uh Graham junior college in boston and uh, at that time i was a uh, already a wrestling photographer and a writer yeah. for all the newsstand magazines so yeah that 's where it started i had a i had a two week run with george napolitano oh, george. On, du- yeah. on 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 w n y g in 1985, uh but the owners threw us off. Because uh, Captain Lou Albano was a guest, and uh, <laughs> I they, heard like, that story. We don't want this stuff on the uh, station. But anyway, yeah, April 9th, 1989 was the first uh, yeah. of the long run that we had.
0: Yeah, I actually heard that story about Lou. We could talk about that later if you want. It's interesting <laughs> because, uh, in many ways, uh, my career has paralleled a lot of the guests I've had. Uh, you are no exception. I actually started my career in television and radio, and the very first. Wrestling radio show I did was 1985, a commercial radio station in Philadelphia called WIP Sports Radio with a young man you might know. His name's Joel Goodhart.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Good, 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 good uh, friend.
0: Yeah. Okay. Joel, uh, I was uh, Joel's uh, rotating co host when Carmella was not available. All righty. And you remember Carmella was his co host at the time. And we heard about this, this little show out of New York called Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And we thought, oh, damn, we got some competition now. As I'm looking around 1989, 19 well, 1990 is when I became aware of it as far as how well you guys were doing. I mean, you guys were doing some numbers as far as listeners are concerned, you know when people talk about numbers today, they talk in terms of ratings, but we're talking about people listening. And the one thing you did, you son of a gun that we didn't think about at the time. You took damn phone calls. You took phone calls and we didn't have the ability to do it. Son of a bitch.
2: (laughs) Well, that was a big part of the show. And uh... that was a
0: big part of the show. Talk to me about, How this guy, this fan, and I'm going to just say it the way it is, you bullshitted your way into people thinking you were a wrestler.
2: Uh, I bullshitted my way into the ring, yes, for a couple (laughs) of uh, forgettable matches. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Talk to me about John Anthony. Where did he
2: come from? What, the ring name that I used? Yeah. Where did John Anthony come uh, from? That was uh John Ant- Anthony was my confirmation name. Oh, okay. You know, my name is John Thomas Arezzi. Uh, confirmation name is the third John Thomas Anthony Arezzi. It was also um uh my cousin, uh, my uncle's name. So I just used John Anthony. I mean, I came up with it the day that I went to the tapings.
0: Yeah. And I'm Angelo Thomas DeScipio. That's funny shit. There you go. So. You, um, you created just the name or did you create an entire persona? Like a lot of people do in this business.
2: No, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I went in there. <laughs> I was a photographer, like the last taping, you know, always shooting the matches there. I was always backstage anyway. Yeah. And I had gotten to know Ernie Roth, the grand wizard pretty well. And, uh, oh, sure. and I was like, uh, I talked to him uh, and I was like, listen, I, this was in late 77. I was in college, uh, I was 20 years old and I was like, I think I want to get in the ring. And he goes, why do you want to do that? You know, yeah. I was like, I just want to see what it's like. You know, I want to see what it's like. And, and he goes, and he talked to whoever he did and he, he said, uh, on the January 10th tapes, you'll, you're going to do it, you know? And then I showed up and I saw Monsoon and, and mm-hmm. everybody had seen me around. I mean, <clears throat> so it was kind of bizarre in a way that I even, I think I lost my mind, basically to do this and monsoon comes out and he was like he got your gear I was like yeah he goes where have you worked i was like i worked a lot down south which i never did and uh and he, says, and, he said, and he said <laughs> heel or baby heel or baby i said heel and that was it. And I was really nervous because I was like, "All right, now I'm going to sure. do this." And uh, and uh, I saw Ernie the whiz, and I was like, um, "What's next?" He goes, "Well, you know, you, you, you're working." I was like, "Well, can you find out who I'm working with?" And he went to the back, and I was even afraid to go into the dressing room because I never was back that there because I was always in the in the common area where we used to take photos of the guys. And he came out and he was like, yeah. "Dusty Rhodes." I was like, "Oh." Ah.
0: You're working so, dusty roads.
2: Yeah. So I, I, I go in the dressing room, and, nice. and the guys are kind of looking at me cockeyed, because, um, you know, they know I was a photographer. Savannah Sousa, who was – they put Savannah Sousa with me to be in a handicap match because Sousa saw me and um, it was like, that's the photographer. That's the writer guy. Uh, so the, I was getting, you know, s- cross looks from the start. And McMahon, um, he didn't tell me, but he told Napolitano, he goes, I didn't know a resi was a worker. And George goes, I didn't know either. Cause I didn't, I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. I didn't tell nobody. And, uh, and that was that. So, uh, I was told, you know, we were told we were going to go four minutes or whatever it was and, uh, dusty and. I and Sousa, I mean, I never even knew how any of this worked before because I was never in the dress, in the actual where they're talking about what's yeah. going to happen. So that was also the first time I heard all of that. Uh, and then we were talking about what we're going to do in the ring. And um, and then sure enough, it's my time to get in there and uh, go in and uh, didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know what I was doing and uh, got dusty. There dust had the to be
0: some element of the jig is going to be up any moment as soon as someone recognizes me.
2: Yeah, well, I, I think I lost my sanity for a bit. I wanted to see what it was like. And at that point, I really didn't give a shit, to tell you the truth. But you know God, what? That's
0: you you see, say, that, uh,
2: and Dan and I are going to talk about this, too.
0: Um, you say you lost your sanity, but in moments like that, genius is born. Yeah, okay. <laughs> think about what, I want you to think about the result of that insane Ridiculous act of passing yourself off as a trained wrestler. Would it actually parlay, Dan? You, this is up right up your alley, brother. Go for it.
1: I think it's funny because you you you, you tell the story of you, you bullshitted way backstage, and obviously you, you worked Dusty Rhodes, who's somebody that a lot of people from that generation never got a chance to. We've had guests on the show that have said that was one person they wish they could have worked with, and. Yeah. He- you know, you've you lucked your way into it. But from from what I understand, this kind of, for la, you know, literal peeling back the curtain to to get back there is kind of what really sparked a lot of interest in further pursuits. I was wondering at what point, having, you said you worked a couple forgettable matches, you know your words. In one it, night. It I was
2: two in one night. I mean, I worked with Dusty. I, I got the sh- shit kicked out of me because I <laughs> stiffed him a little in the corner. Oh, no. Thing. And then he threw Seuss out of the ring, and then he just whispered to me, "I got to teach you a lesson." And and those bionic elbows were, were laying in there pretty hard on the top of my head, and and uh, I couldn't even go with a body slam, and it was just a it was a clusterfuck, and uh, and that was the end. And they put me in a tag team match on the second round of tapings, me and Joe Turco uh, against Chief J. Strongbow and uh, Peter Mavia. Uh, and I was told uh, I was told, uh, "You're not doing anything. You stay outside the ring." Until the finish, Uh, uh, Turco will tag you in because the whole match was me trying to get tagged in. And he kept pulling him away, put him in a headlock, pull him away, slap me in the head, you know, just messing with me. And at the end, I get thrown in over the top. Strongwell picks me up, throws me in the corner. My VIA gives me a a headbutt. I go down and Strongwell pins me one, two, three. And that was it. Uh, And uh, then I was supposed to work with Backlund in uh, taping number three. But after tapings one or two they they just said you're done for the night you're done i got my 90 dollars and um and that was that yeah and then the, so- the, the 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 it was the ironic part because three weeks later um at madison square garden taking up my position to shoot uh, bob Backlund uh going up against the world champion billy graham the night he beat Billy Graham for the title, and right. I got pulled out of ringside, and they said you can't take pictures anymore because my picture was in the program that night against Strongbow. And Napolitano took that, and they said you are you worked on our taping three weeks ago. You oh can't, yeah, you can't absolutely. Pictures anymore, and and so I basically jobbed myself out of a job. Yeah, <laughs> you sure did. You, you sure did, and that was a time when Fab was
0: was very protective. Oh, my God, please. So now you you started, obviously, this goes back long before Pro Wrestling Spotlight and wanting to be a wrestler. You were a fan growing up. What was the first match you ever saw? Everybody remembers their first time. Was it uh, Vince's product or or was it a a Southern-based product? You're talking about on TV
2: or in person? Uh, it doesn't matter. From
0: well, I mean, it was it was not aware was 19, of what this... uh, it was
2: 1964. OK. Uh, and I was in I was a kid and I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. I was in, living in Brooklyn, uh, New York. And uh, my sister, my older sister, who uh, passed away years ago, but she um, she called me. She was like, Johnny, come in here. I don't know what this is. She was watching TV. Yeah. And uh, and I show up in the living room and there's four midget wrestlers uh, chasing each <laughs> other around the ring. Oh, I, love I didn't that know what guy. it was. And uh, and and there it was. I just sat down on the floor and, you know, was it uh, was just kind of mesmerized by it. And and that night, uh, Bruno Samart, they kept mentioning this guy, Bruno, Bruno. Uh, Bruno's not here yet. Bruno's not here yet. He was supposed to work against Dr. Jerry Graham. Uh, and they put his cousin, Antonio Pliese, yeah, in against Graham, and Graham was pummeling him, and all of a sudden there's a commotion, and a big bra- brawly guy just runs into the ring with suitcases. And it was Bruno. It was like, <laughs> Bruno's here. And he picked up the suitcase and hit Graham over the head with it, and there was blood. And then Ray Morgan, who was the announcer, went up to Graham after the match. Was like, "Well, you know, it looks like you need a doctor." And Graham was like, "I'm my own doctor. I don't need a doctor." And that was in 1964. I remember it like it was yesterday. And that's the first time I watched wrestling. And I didn't get to see amazing. it until 71, 71. They had a law in New York. You couldn't go to the shows until you were 14 years old. So yeah. I never could go to a live show until
0: 1971. Mm. Yeah, Madison Square Garden had that 14 rule. Yes. Um, the only person I know of that beat that was Bill Aptor. Yeah. Bill said his father knew the commissioner. So that was different. <laughs> wow, that's cool.
2: <laughs> Lucky Bill. Yeah.
0: Bill told that story on the show. Um, yeah, we all remember our first time. Yeah, mine, uh, and I've told it on the, the show before. My first was uh, in person, 1966, Philadelphia Arena, Bruno versus Killer Kowalski. Uh, under a hood really yeah under a hood he had just um tore off Yukon eric's ear Mm -hmm. so he was banned by the athletic commission from wrestling as killer kowalski but he could put a hood on and wrestle as the executioner which he did that night Hmm. but the purple tights and the lightning bolt the 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 purple and gold lightning bolt kind of gave it away. You knew it was killer Kowalski.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, that was my first match. Um, so let's talk. You, you fast forward this. You're in college. You get this, this idea. Hey, you know, they're doing music. The college radio stations are doing news. I'm going to do something a little different. Who comes up with the idea to do this wrestling professional wrestling show on a college radio station?
2: Well, it was a uh, it was me. I mean, I I auditioned for the uh, college station with the idea of doing a pro wrestling talk show. Uh, At that time, I had a bunch of interviews on tape because I was allowed backstage. I was shooting for all the magazines Mm -hmm. and I uh, won the auditions, the open auditions where I I handed uh, the concept to the program director and the music director. And ironically, they were both wrestling fans. Uh, so they kind of liked it. And then the sports director hated wrestling and he wanted nothing to do with it. But when the, uh, the, the list came out of who was getting shows and who was getting air shifts, uh, the sheet came out and I saw a pro wrestling spotlight, John Arizzi, five o'clock Saturday afternoon. And I was like, well, here we go. You know,
1: Yeah.
2: so that's what's, that's what started it. Beautiful. Dan, go ahead.
1: Yeah. I, I was wondering, you know, they, they, during any process, Angelo can tell you, having been at radio himself, you know, you, you hit that moment where you're like, this is working. You know, you, you know, it's working. What, at what point did, did you, when you were doing, you, when you first started with your shows, did you realize this is going to work? This is something, this is right.
2: Well, I had no, I, I was having fun with it. You know, uh, I didn't know if it was, I don't know what it was because the first few shows were scripted. I mean I was so nervous that I was I wrote up the script. And then uh we had a closed circuit like a phone number and and people started calling to ask questions about wrestling the kids in the dorm. Yeah. And uh so I mean that's what kind of happened and then you know the grand wizard uh, who was up in New England and I was shooting some pictures for him cuz he started promoting and uh, I so I started getting more guests and and the Wiz really helped and I, I, so it just turned into something that, um, that was fun with the exception of the sports director. His name was Lester Singleton. He was a little person literally. Mm-hmm. And he just used to call up and berate me that wrestling's not a sport and this and that. And, and, um, and I had had enough, uh, after a few months of this and he called me on the air one day and, and, um, uh, I was trying to be as polite as I could. And then when he hung up, under my breath, I just muttered, cocksucker. And uh, I got thrown off the air for a few months. I got suspended.
0: He had a hot mic. Over the air. Yeah, he had a hot mic, folks. It went out.
2: It was a hot mic. And then that night, it was, a Christmas, it was around Christmas time. Uh, at the dorm, there was a Christmas party. And I show up. And there's you know Lester, the, the little guy. And uh, he says, you called me a CS on the air? I heard it. He was drunk. And I never forget it. He was about three feet tall. And he had a he had a he had a Santa hat on. Oh no! And he started chasing me like he was gonna attack me. <laughs> so, and everyone, I didn't know whether to laugh or you know defend myself. You know,
0: brother, that's a great wrestling angle. Are You kidding me? These are th- this guy didn't know it. He yeah, was it a built, perfect built, wrestling character.
1: Yeah, it, it was great. Builds up oh heat. My- God, builds up heat backstage beautiful. against a midget in a Santa hat. That sounds like something you'd see on TV today. Yeah, oh, you crazy,
2: kidding? crazy, crazy stuff. But uh, the, the show ran for two years. Uh, and then uh, I went yeah. to a senior. I went to a, a four-year university to get my bachelor's. I went over to a college called Emerson sure. uh, College in Boston. And I, uh, I I basically concentrated on just doing the sports for the TV station there. And, and, uh, and that was after also um, I had got yanked from my photography seat because of me working. So I was at that point starting to segue out of wrestling. I had stopped going and it was kind of, all right, I'm going to be graduating college. It's about time to move on. Hey, Dominic, you here? My, you guys are both goombas, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. My nephew, Dominic DiBiase, is over here. Take a look. Hi. Hey. Kumasita, brother.
1: How are you you? You're nice good. to meet you. Nice to meet you guys. I'm Great. here
2: in New York. Anyway, yeah. yeah, so that's what happened. I was like, uh, I was done with wrestling and I was concentrating on graduating with uh, college yeah. and then and getting a job in sports. I wanted to work for the New York Mets. That was my dream.
0: Yeah, I heard you're a big baseball guy. Big yes. baseball guy. Um, at what point did, do you say to yourself, you know what, this, uh, this wrestling thing's got some legs to it. Might take off a little bit. Um
2: uh, What do you, you mean? Like uh, I, I knew I, was, I, knew I wasn't going to have a career in wrestling. Just to show you how big of a baseball fan I am. The Mets are playing a simulated game. It's on YouTube right now. So I was oh, watching that before the podcast. Uh But I, I didn't. I didn't have any intention on doing a, a career in wrestling. Actually, uh, I got to shut this off now. You See this. Well, I
0: don't know we can watch the
2: game if you like. <laughs> no, 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 no. it's a simulated game. They really, they played the Yankees this weekend, so that's the first exhibition. There you go. Um, uh, but what do you mean as far as what Well, no, I mean as
0: as far as uh, you know, you have at uh, you have this passion inside you. You're clearly a fan. Yeah. You clearly have some connections at this point. So, it it's not something that just goes by the wayside to make way for baseball. You're you're holding on to this
2: but I didn't Wrestling. watch it. I didn't watch it. I wasn't, uh, you know. I'd watch it occasionally. I remember the uh, the Zabisco Bruno feud. I remember oh, that watching God, that. Cool. But I mean, I really was concentrated on getting my career started, and um, and uh, so I, I I got hired by the New York Mets out of college. I went to baseball winter meetings. Mm-hmm. And uh and I worked for their minor league affiliate uh in North Carolina, in Shelby, North Carolina, um, and had made a lot of friends there. John Gibbons was my roommate, and Lenny Dykstra was on the team and I mean but and then I, I went into a nightclub one night and heard a female singer sing. Her name was Patty Lovelace. She was a uh, big country star now, but uh yeah. but back then she was Patty Lovelace, the uh lead singer for a band called Straight Up and I thought she was amazing and after a while, I got to know her and quit my job with the Mets to manager. her. Uh, so, I mean, my life in wrestling kind of just went away. Yeah. In the 80s. I mean, it just went away. I was in the music business from, you know, 1981, really, till 89. But I watched. I remember the Hulkamania. Explo- I remember, you know, the rock and wrestling connection is what kind of drew me back in. Yeah. The Captain Lou, and all of that stuff. And and uh, uh well you john know. how dedicated were you to
0: the to the music industry
1: i Very, know that you, you
0: managed uh, yeah i know you managed patty but you also managed uh, a string of uh, lesser known individuals as well um and you also and i know that you produced some
2: yeah i mean it's been my life has been a roller coaster of different things and uh pretty interesting life i guess but uh, the eighties were basically music. I had started a management company up in New York and had several acts and a lot of them were were not uh, prominent. I was managing too many acts at one time yeah i had some I had some partners and and you know they really didn't know the business, but they uh, you know everyone had the dream to sure. break an act, but I was very inexperienced when it came to the music business and uh after several yeah. years, it just kind of went away i mean and then it went under one day. Uh, because we had an opportunity to work with a a band called the new kids on the block. And my partners were like, we have enough fucking bands. We don't need any more bands. I was but this band is good. He goes, that's what you say about all the bands. You say they're all good.
1: (laughs) New kids on the block. They
2: shut the business down. And I was like, what am I going to do now? It's 1989. And so at the end of 1988, rather, what am I going to do now? So that's when wrestling came back. That's when I said, I did the wrestling show. In college, maybe I could do a commercial radio show called Pro Wrestling Spotlight, and that's what I did. So
0: nice. now, um, Dan, I, I know you want to pick up on this, but so so you go to the lengths of I'm getting assuming that you're getting a, a sponsor here. You're you're gaining some kind of uh, airtime through sponsorship, or you're buying your own airtime. How's this working for you?
2: Um, at WNYG. It was a place that I worked on and off for years, even while I was in the music business, a radio station. But I went in there, and initially it was a revenue share. The old lady who ran the station, Mrs. Hornstein, and her husband, Saul Hornstein, I mean, uh, we were going to share some revenue. And it wasn't coming in fast enough. So then she was like, well, you have to buy the time. And that's what I did. I brokered my my airtime from the middle of 89 right through uh, 96 when I left. uh, Yeah with all the other stations, and that's pretty that, um,
0: standard practice for for especially back in the day
2: yeah you know, no one, no one's, no one was paying was you for a wrestling show no
0: one was yeah there. yeah well you know it was actually it was in some ways it's actually pretty standard practice now because you know radio is is kind of a dying thing you know and then podcasts are, are where it's at now dan go ahead i know you wanted to to follow up on that
1: well i would just want to point out first the uh Cameo appearance you had—that's how you know you're you're true to that part of the country when you have uh, Dominic living in the house. Got to have at least one one in the family—a nephew or a cousin, right?
2: Well, I, I I live in Nashville. That's where I live. I'm in mm-hmm. New York right now. Uh, I've been here. I have an apartment here in New York. In the house that my sister and Dominic uh, live in, uh, there's a basement apartment that I took over a couple of years ago, so I could come up here as often as I want to and have a place to stay. Yeah. And I've been here much longer than I thought I would be because of COVID. Right. Oh yeah, well, yeah. Th-
1: then let me expand. Uh, you were talking about the the getting into the business and obviously your airtime and your organization. With uh, that was eighty eight, eighty nine. So that puts you like uh, right around the Mega Powers era. That was the would have been the big thing in the New York region because you still had WrestleMania and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I want to look at that from the perspective of. How? Let me let me let me think how to word this. How how did that affect like who you targeted as far as your audience, your guests? I got you. you, Did you try and and focus on the rock and wrestling connection? Like, let me try and get your your young fancy guys, or or at that point where you've more still focused on history. Let me try and get some of the older stars.
2: I didn't know what I was gonna do when the show started. I the first thing I did when the shows when I got the show, uh, as I call the WWF. And uh, I spoke to someone in their PR department. His name was Steve Planamenta. And ironically. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, yeah. Ironically, um, Steve was a kid who I met through one of my college friends who was a little boy. He used to, like, follow me or, like, love the lo- the Fred Blassie fan club. And, and And, you know, he was a little kid. Little Stevie yeah. is what my friend used to introduce me to him as. Yeah. I met him once and the kid was like, Oh, John, or is he? Uh, But then, you know, here we are years and years later. I called the WWF and he goes, John, this is Steve Planamenta, you know, Bill Martin's friend. I was like, Oh, little Stevie. Uh, and he was like, No, Steve Planamenta. And I said, Well, I'm starting this wrestling talk show and uh, I would love to. Uh, Take a meeting or have cooperation, what we can do together promotion wise. And he goes, Oh, yeah. are you, are you, what are you going to do with the show? Are you going to be like that Rich Man Cuso guy in New York that just exposes the business? And I was like, I have no intention of exposing the business. And he gave me a guest for my very first show, his mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Nice. And so the show was totally going to be kayfabe. Uh, I mean, that's what the intention was. I wasn't going to yeah. tear no curtain down or expose anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, through uh, my friend, George Ann Macropolis. Um, ah, George, yeah. A- yeah. I asked her uh, for show number two, if I could, if she could give me Bruno's number and talk to Bruno, because I'd love to have Bruno on. Sure. Not knowing how much Bruno did not like the WWF at the time. <laughs> so I, I, I called Bruno up and I interviewing him, tape on tape before the, the show yeah. uh, and uh, he said a lot of bad things and then I was like holy oh shit what am I going to do with this so I called the WWF and I was like listen I got Bruno San Martino coming on uh, this week uh, for this week's show uh, but he said some you know pretty nasty things about you guys and he goes we're not going to air it are you I said well I think I have to you know and that was the end of my cooperation <laughs> two, <Yeah>. two
1: shows <laughs> and
2: it was one show and I was, well, I mean,
1: by the end of episode two, the contract, the, the agreement was over.
2: It was, yeah, it was done. I was done. I was, uh, <laughs> Dan, remember <laughs> these words.
1: I the was more gone. things
0: change, the more they stay the same. Right. It's ex- nothing's changed. It's exactly the same way now. Yeah. In fact, in many ways, it's worse. <laughs> it's worse. So, you know, you, you got to, you have to glean from when. When little Stevie Planamenta is now correcting you and says, no, it's Steve. You got to figure something's up. Okay. So now right. he's, he's got a little juice under him. He's uh, and now at the time, John, are you, uh, are you aware that little Stevie is uh, a wrestling fan or are you, or you're not aware you don't care?
2: No, I mean, uh, you mean that Steve that I spoke to in the WWF or, no, or the, the Steve, Steve the that was this was little, little boy. This, no, this he, little punk, this little he punk was, kid. Well, he was a little kid who, who my, my, my best friend in college was like, my next door neighbor's a big wrestling fan and he knows who you are. Would you mind meeting him? And I was like, of course, you know, so I, my friend lived in Austin New York and during a holiday Christmas break or whatever it was, I went over and, you know, and said hello to Steve and I gave him some magazines and yeah. he was a little boy, you know, he was a big wrestling fan, little boy. So, um, and then it wasn't so, until, uh, 15 years later that, um, that, uh, I reacquainted myself when he was Steve Plannementor at the WWF. Yeah. So now you've got this Bruno
0: interview. It's in the can. You got to sit on it. You don't know what to do with it.
2: Um, well, I had, a, I played it for the station management and, yeah. um, and they said, we wouldn't want you to air this as is because it could, you know, could be, uh, subject us to some, potential lawsuit. Was it, was it liable? Slander. It was you know, it was like Bruno being Bruno back then. And and so I called Bruno up and I was like, listen, there's, you know, the first half of the interview was great. I said, Do you mind if we recut the second half? And he goes, Dogana, why? Why do we have to do that? I was like because there's, you know, problems with lawyers and whatever. And he goes, oh, I'll do whatever you want. So he he graciously uh, retaped it and still said some things, but not as heavy as he did yeah. in the original one. And uh, and that developed, you know, for me and Bruno, it developed a uh, uh, a friendship, mm-hmm. uh, which led to us doing many things together over the years. Sure. Well, and and in the interest of full disclosure,
0: and I've talked about it on the show before. Dan knows, uh, uh, you know, uh, Bruno was a good friend of mine, real real good friend of mine, very dear friend. And, and I've a- had our our buddies on. We uh, we sh- I should have reached out to you then, John. Because we had a uh, Remembering Bruno night. JJ was here. Davey O'Hanlon was here.
2: Uh, Davey, I
0: love Davey. Oh, man. In fact, I I spoke to Davey tonight. He's coming back next week.
2: We're doing a show with Davey next week called Remembering the Territories. I used to go to the Beach Boys. We went to a Beach Boys concert with him and his wife. And uh, we were very tight back in the 70s. Me and uh, his wife, Kathy, and uh, and Davey. And we socialized back then. Oh, Davey's very very different. He, He lives about 20 minutes from me right now. Yeah. He's
0: literally 20 minutes away. Um, Interesting thing, too. um, You're talking about living in Nashville. I spent 15 years in Tennessee. So um, uh, if you have a chance to stay in New York, stay. (laughs) Don't go back.
2: (laughs) Well, I've been there 20 years.
0: Have you really?
2: Yeah, I moved to Nashville in 2000. Explain to people who are unfamiliar This
0: Italian Yankee soul, how do we survive? Why are you laughing at me, Dan? How do you survive down south with no gravy and no real bread and no pizza and like no bagels? No, my God. Are you kidding me? Everything is
2: you.
0: You say gravy to somebody and they're bringing you a bowl of this white shit. Oh, my God. So talk to me about living in Nashville, in Music City.
2: Uh, a, a job brought me there in 2000. Uh, I was in the music business. When I, when I got out of wrestling, that's when I changed my name to John Alexander in 1996. Mm-hmm. I couldn't take wrestling anymore. It had really fucked me up mentally and uh, financially. And uh, I had enough, and I, I wanted to turn the page on it and put it in the rearview mirror. So I changed my name to John Alexander uh, just to, And I got a job at a local Long Island country radio station because I love country music because of Patty Loveless from years ago. And I started selling advertising. And, uh, you know, one year goes by on Long Island. Then I get hired away by a New York City country station, Y107 FM. I spent a few years with them. And then I get a call uh, asking me if I would uh, move to Nashville to open the offices up for a TV network called Great American Country as their head of – Music marketing and uh, national account development. So I took the gig because I had been visiting Nashville with the other jobs and I liked it. And the cost of living was great. uh, And it was uh, it was it was a good place uh, to uh, to hang your hat. And the job was great. It was a six figure job. It was more money than I'd ever think I'd ever made in my life. I mean, and I went down there and, and every year was incredible for me. And then I moved my family down. My mom, uh, my sister, my nephew. I mean, we all lived down in Tennessee. Uh, My mom had passed away, and then my sister and my nephew moved back to New York uh, because they missed the culture, and they missed New York, and they missed the Italian uh, people. Um, uh, But I had a job, and I stayed. But, uh, you know, I I love Nashville. I think now uh, it's a little bit more challenging for me down there uh, just because I've left the music business this year uh after being in it for 23 years Mm -hmm. and uh and i miss my family and life is short and COVID is here yeah and uh and 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 so i've been spending more time in new york than nashville i've I've been here you know for two months almost uh, with my place empty in 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 tennessee yeah so i have some decisions to make on what i'm going to do in the future but uh nashville's a great place they don't have the pure italian stuff but it's a yeah. it's a great place and i was in the country music business and everybody knew me as john alexander there i was yeah. really successful in what i did uh, uh it's but, so interesting
0: to hear your story because it parallels mine in so many ways you know i wasn't going to make a living in tennessee you know as angelo Scipio. so i had to become angel diablo
2: <laughs> what did you sound- do
0: down there mr diablo Television and radio. My dear friends at the Gaylord Entertainment really? Center and uh, Gaylord Media hired me on for uh, some of their radio stations. I did a lot of their voiceover work. My voice can still be heard on some of their commercials.
1: He's uh, uh, he's, he's he's blowing smoke at you, John. A- a- Angel Diablo was the number one rated Chippendale in the Nashville Strip.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> He was uh, he was the voice of Tennessee
2: for
1: <laughs> were you uh, a
2: WSM guy or did we did you do any WSM work for Gaylord or uh...
0: I, I did uh, actually some work for the insurance company. OK, yeah, I did yeah. Um, the founder WSM, by the way, the, the, for people who don't understand WSM literally stands for we serve millions. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. People think it's the call letters of it. Yeah, it is the call letters, but it means we serve millions. But, no, I uh, I actually uh, I, I did quite a bit of uh, voiceover work. I did a lot of wrestling stuff when I moved to um, East Tennessee. I was involved with a company there called uh, East Tennessee Championship Wrestling. Um, we've actually, uh, Dan and I actually talked to uh, Ron Fuller about um, – uh, the the character that ran that group a gentleman named Terry Landell and uh, <laughs> you you remember that conversation that. we had with Ron Ron is a good friend of mine um, but we uh, yeah we did some work with the with East Tennessee Championship Wrestling and um, you know Buddy Landell was a friend of mine and uh, uh, of course Ricky and Robert you know Ricky lives in Bristol Tennessee Robert lives in Florida. But they were dear friends. You know, I, did a lot of, I did a lot of work in Tennessee, you know, mostly radio and television. That's, that's primarily where I made my living. But wrestling was my hobby. Mm-hmm. I never relied on wrestling for my livelihood. Thank God. Had I, I'd probably be broke right now. <laughs> so, not, Dan, not, go ahead. That's business.
1: Well, l- let, is, me ha- it's let me ask. It's merciless,
0: John. John. It really is. It's a merciless business.
1: Very it cutthroat. will eat
0: your soul alive and spit it back out. You Go ahead, Dan. I'm
1: sorry. Well, Something I, I mentioned earlier, you know, your your work in radio and a lot of what you did was the reason I got so interested in the history of wrestling. I'm I'll be 37 here shortly. So, I mean, I'm old enough to remember the territories, but I also had to watch the tapes, rented tapes from the store to see like Memphis and some of that stuff I couldn't get on TV. Um, but I want to get off wrestling for a second have you expand on something, if you don't mind me asking. You, you, you talked about your history in country music. I think that's an interesting question. I'm curious because you mentioned you got out of wrestling in, in the late 90s, right around mid-late 90s, you said, um, right around when, when wrestling started changing. The wrestling we all grew up with, well, I grew up with, and I'm sure you guys you know, in later, in, in later years, it, it started changing to the more modern what we see now, where it got away from being wrestling and more into the stunt show. And then you mentioned getting out of the music business right around the last few years, where country music has started evolving from your, you know, Garth Brooks and 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 that Kenny Kenny Rogers and what I grew up listening country yeah. music, and now it's more your your pop, your Taylor Swift. I'm curious, how did that it, 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 did that impact your work in the business at all when country music transitioned to the more pop um, country that, that that's on the radio today?
2: Well, I mean, my when I when I I got a job offer to work for a record label in uh, 2010, Black River Entertainment, owned by these billionaires, uh, the Pagula family, who own the uh, Buffalo Bills and the Sabers. Yeah. So uh, I, I went in there, and, and and country music was starting to change a little bit. I was managing a girl named Sarah Darling there, and uh, and then I discovered a kid named Kelsey Ballerini, who's a big star nice. today. Yes. I found her in a pizza place in Franklin, and um, anyway, that's, it's a long story. That's awesome. Uh, but but when Florida Georgia Line broke, and the music started changing to rap in a way, and it just it started losing, it started losing its its uh, its real, its genuine. Because country music is about storytelling always mm-hmm. was to me. Mm-hmm. That's why I loved it so much. Yeah. And uh, and I, I, I was finding myself losing my passion for the new music that was coming out in Nashville. Uh, and then I and then after I left the record company, uh, I, I basically with a New York guy, we started a crowdfunding company for young, young developing country artists, a crowdfunding platform for us to develop them, uh, raise money for them, try to open the doors for them. And that's what really kind of turned me off. I did it for four years. But the artists, the kids today, uh, were doing music for a different reason. Uh, they wanted to be a star rather than an artist. And, you know, everyone was too sensitive. No one liked being critiqued. No one liked being given advice. So I, I, And I think I started... <laughs> There's I, I started, an old story. I started aging out, basically. I started aging out of it. And, uh, and that's, that's what really kind of, uh, and I just left the music business really this year, January, February, that was kind of it. I said, you know what? I'm not, I don't want to do it no more. And I was in it for a long, long time, but yeah, the transition, uh, from the time I, I fell in love with country music and being a big part of the Nashville community and helping so many different labels, artists, managers. And then when it started segueing into this new bro country stuff, Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a market for it, and it's a younger sure. generation's music. It's not, it's not for an older demographic. Uh, yeah. and the elder, it's like every generation has its, you know, it's it's time where a new generation comes in, and mm. the old music, the kids hate. Right. So I yeah. mean, I love the Beatles. My parents didn't. They love Frank Sinatra. You know, so it's a generational thing.
0: Sure. Yeah,
2: and, now, and now Nashville and the music that being produced is very few. Uh, there's very few artists coming out now that I really can say I appreciate and like.
0: You know what? I got to tell you, um, and I want people, you know, listening to hear this. It's really important. Uh, what John is saying uh, and, and to some degree what Dan and I are saying that we say, in, in fact, every week is if you follow the narrative it doesn't matter the business, it doesn't matter the uh the industry. The narrative is the same. What was is now being turned into what is. And what is is about finance instant stardom, the microwave generation, give it to mm-hmm. me now. I want to be famous now. I don't want to pay my dues. I don't want to work hard. I want I want it. I want I want it, but I don't want to bust my ass for it.
1: You, you know, it's funny you mention that in the music business because we've had some guests on that have told almost identical stories to the indie wrestling business today too. A lot of these young exactly. guys coming into the wrestling schools already have their gimmick plan, they already have their finish plan, yeah. and if you deviate from the star that they know they can be, then they don't want to hear it.
0: And we we yeah we had that conversation Dan uh, with uh, Doc Diamond mm-hmm. in fact now uh, John I don't know if you know Doc Diamond but uh, I don't. he's been around he's a uh, he's a Hall of Famer mm-hmm. um, a, a wrestling Hall of Famer not a WWE guy thank God um, but yeah but here's the here's the deal though you know um, he told us that people came into his school. Already with the mindset up, this is what I want to be. This is going to be my finishing move. This is my costume. They had everything planned out. They didn't count on one thing. Learning how to work. Right. And that's what's missing in music. It's missing in television. It's missing in wrestling and film and every aspect of visual medium entertainment. Nobody wants to do the work anymore. One of the things Dan and I pride ourselves on on this show is that we're not a wrestling show. We are historians. We are archivists of history. Wrestling is the subtext for the story that we tell. And the story that people tell on this show every week is one of a business that is both brutal and at the same time offers great redemption to the fallen. So let's talk about the rise and fall and rise again of John Arezzi. You are a guy who a lot of people may not understand this, but if they go to a fan festival or they go to a wrestling convention or they go to an access, an all-access uh, uh, you know, what What would you call that, uh, Dan? An all-access, what, uh, uh, a fan convention? What would you call that? It's it? a
2: fan fest. It's yeah, a, that, that, I mean, a fan fest, fest. yeah. yeah. Uh, uh,
0: see how the simple solution eludes us? Um, there's a good chance that you need to thank John Arezzi for that because my understanding and to my knowledge, even my knowledge of history, John, you're the guy that brought that to us. And I got a little story to tell you. I went to, uh, I think one of your first, um, fan festivals and, and I'm wanting to say, I think it was in Flushing Queens somewhere near, I know it was near the airport near like LaGuardia across the street. Across, yes, there was a place there called the, 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 the Royal Royce or the, uh, the, Royce the, Royce the Royce hotel, the Royce. Thank you. The Royce Hotel. I rem- I was almost said the Rolls Royce Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> the Royce Hotel. I'll never forget that for a couple of reasons. I took a bus trip up. I came with other people. Long story short, it's the end of the day. We're getting ready to go. It dawns on me, I bought a gimmick. I left it inside. I run past the bus driver. Give me five minutes. I'll be right back. I come out. I got my gimmick, but the bus is gone. Oh, boy. Oh, no. I had to wait three hours for my buddy to get home just so I could call him on a pay phone. No cell phones. No cell phones. I think about this, folks. No cell phone. A pay phone. Pocket full of change, call him up and say, dude, can you come and get me? <laughs> oh, my God. That was I will never forget. But I will tell you, I had the time of my fucking life. That was a which great, uh life.
2: which one was it? Who do you remember? The, the performers that were there?
0: Uh, I remember. Yeah, I remember. Uh. Ricky Steamboat? That was the first one. So it was
2: 1990, yeah.
0: I remember Ricky Steamboat, specifically Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. And I remember, I don't know if it was his girlfriend or his wife or some significant other. but But she was like stuck to to him like glue. Yeah, that was his wife. Was that his wife? Yeah. I mean, if if he sneezed, she bent with him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) oh my god but no that was that was a, a fun time and i remember meeting a guy who i would later see in fact he still does a podcast today uh, sunny beach yeah rick yeah. yeah i i i see him on monty and the pharaoh from time to time he's a regular guest on monty and the pharaoh um mm-hmm. But go ahead, Dan. You're shaking your head. Well, you got
1: no. I'm I'm cracking up at your story. It's it's funny that you know. I'm old. Okay, small, I'm well, old. not not that it's it's the the small world narrative. You know, um, I mean, I was I didn't go to uh, my first wrestling convention until I was older because my my parents weren't nearly as supportive of me liking wrestling as you know. He, John mentioned the generational gap. You know, my my dad lived. He had he had to walk past Buddy Rogers' house to get to school. So when I'm when I'm sitting in front of the TV with you know flipping between Hulk Hogan on one channel and, and yeah. a uh, NWA watching Flair Steamboat on the other, it's like, oh, those guys were nothing compared to you know, Rogers and Putsky and all the guys he grew up with. But yeah, I, I want I wanna ask because you you talked about Angelo brought up these fan fests, what 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 kind of expand on that like what led to that the idea like hey we can get some wrestlers together we do the signings we can do the pictures how did that come about
2: well i, I had always been a, a fan of uh, baseball card shows go to a baseball card show and you meet a ball player you get an autograph there's dealer tables you're buying baseball cards and uh i was like why isn't there something like that for wrestling fans and that's what kind of started the idea and then i just started you know, thinking about it, and uh and then started planning the first one because I had the power of the radio station behind me. It wasn't a huge station, uh, the first one at WNYG, but um I was able to convince a few people to put a little money up as well because I, I really didn't have the the money to put up, and they thought well, it was. Well, you know, a
0: good John, idea. you stopped there for just a second. I was going to go there with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Anybody that's ever put one of these fan fest on it's a costly proposition yeah. it's an expensive proposition um you got to have some friends with deep pockets mm-hmm. and uh and somebody who who believes in you enough that they're going to get a return for their investment correct um what was the what was your pitch what what was uh, your- there
2: were clients there i mean there were clients they were real estate guys they mm-hmm. were italian guys they uh they uh they like sports our, our guys. Uh, uh, no, they weren't Not like the boys? that. No, they won't run the boys. No. Ah, uh, damn! No. I love no. having stories. No, about but them. they, uh, you know, I I, I, I talked to them. They thought it was a good idea, and we did it. I mean, you know, we got Sting. Go. Sting. I knew Sting was going to win the title that summer, yeah. uh, and uh, so he was the guy that we went after as our headliner. So he got like five thousand, I believe, uh, back in nineteen ninety. And then I got Steamboat and Terry Funk and Bruno uh, and. Uh, and Cactus Jack and, oh, sure. uh, and John Studd, uh, uh, but John had gotten ill, so he couldn't make it. And then uh, a promoter by the name of Herb Abrams uh, reached out through Ann and says, I'm <laughs> oh, starting sure. this wrestling federation. Can I launch it at your convention? And he did. Uh, so, I mean, it really was a, um, it was a pretty cool event. And uh, I don't know how much money it made, that first one, because I wasn't in control of the books. Right. Uh, so, I don't know what was... Made or lost, uh, I didn't get a return from it, uh, and uh and you know that was that. It was a learning experience. So why why work. do it again then? Because I love the business, and and I thought well, I could. Even though I realize do it, that you you took a financial beating, that I've you, taken. Uh, I've taken risk all my life. Every day is a risk. Everything I've ever done cool. in my life is a risk. I've never been afraid to fail. I've never right. been afraid to get up and start. Oh, no. I mean, failure is. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, that's, just kind of, that's what I am. I got big balls. I don't care. Well, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I'm no, just going to give it a shot. And I want to please the fans. So I know how many people attended in 1990. Yeah. And to make this bigger next year. And yeah. i got Ric Flair and Buddy Rogers and Luthez and Billy oh, and sure. Bruno and, and the rest of them.
1: So absolutely. it was
2: just something that I felt that uh, I, I always wanted to give the fans that opportunity to get up close and personal with the guys
0: well i mean you got to have you know super large cojones and we're, by the way our sponsor is going to play into this um you've got to have a super large cojones uh to be able to pull something like this off and you can't be afraid to fail absolutely but it doesn't hurt john to make a couple of bucks you know no i mean that was always the, that was always the
2: objective you know? Back in the day, I, and I'd be the first to admit this, back in the day when I was doing Pro Wrestling Spotlight and when I was doing the conventions, I wasn't a good businessman. I was still yeah. you know, fairly young. Uh, I, I was always kind of an entrepreneurial guy, but mm-hmm. I didn't understand the I didn't understand what it could be and how much it could be generated, and yeah. I got worked by a lot of the guys. Oh who, boy! Who, who they talk to each other? Oh, you're paying him this, and you're paying him that. So I mean, that was the stuff that I couldn't handle back then because they were workers. And yeah, I got and worked- brother,
0: I got news for you. You'd be hard pressed to handle it today because
2: they're still workers. No, I can handle it today. Because well, yeah, I, today I can you just it today tell him because because to go fuck of, off. Because, it, because yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I told the Ultimate war to go fuck himself, and hung up on him once when he helped me up. <laughs> yeah, because you learn. Oh, we've learned. You, learn. you get an education. John, you be, you get we had guests history. on the
0: show. We've had guests on the show who who told them to fuck off too. Um, Dan, before yes, we go any further, tell John or Resi who uh, who our show comes courtesy of.
1: Well. Angelo mentioned in order to do some of those things, you got to have big, big cojones. Well, big,
2: bulls, big, big, Sean, big, big, big
1: cojones, whether they're uh, you know, strong cojones. The key is uh, you got to keep your cojones clean, shaven, trimmed, which you Manscaped. can with our friends at Manscaped.com. Yes, sir. <laughs> Manscaped.com currently running the wondrous lawnmower 3.0. Uh, use promo code Manscape or excuse me promo code wrestling future for 20 percent off at manscape.com to keep your warrior challenging cojones clean trimmed especially yes. in the summer you don't want you don't want the boys being too warm in the in the locker room so you got to yes. keep it clean set up promo
0: setup. code wrestling future
1: 20% off they're currently Absolutely. running the uh, combo packs which you can save uh, all kinds of money on so uh, keep your keep your boys trimmed clean Good to go. Wrestling, future 20% off. Our friends at manscape.com. Great, great.
0: We love our friends at Manscaped. I love those guys. Balls to the walls. That's where we're going, baby. Balls yes, to the walls. Yes, sir. So, go ahead, Dan. I'm going to let you, because uh, you always tell me that, you know, that I, I hog the conversation and I interrupt you. And well, here you go. Now it's just, well, you, in, and in, in just defense, you and I in my defense,
1: in my defense, I only say those things because they're all true. But, uh,
0: you know, um <laughs> not too late to get another co-host. Oh, you no.
1: <laughs> but uh, no, John, I, I was I was actually I was going to ask you about that. I'm glad you mentioned it because you ran the convention where the UWF launched. And that's one of the. Best and simultaneously worst moments in wrestling history. Oh my god! Where yeah. you have a man come on stage, and now you had a, a crowd and a gimmick, but he also t- he promised uh, dead performers would be there, and it's just I- I'm well, wondering he, how he, he
2: basically said that Bruiser Brody was going to be one of his uh, stars, and Bruiser was murdered uh, a yeah. year before.
1: Exactly. You yeah. uh, you have. A uh, uh, defining moment. I was, I was kind of hoping you could, you could touch on that being the, the behind the scenes. Like, how did that go over for somebody in the back?
2: Um, Herb was a character. Herb, uh, you know, he, he came in and with the, you know, with you talking about cojones, he had them. But he, uh, he said a lot of misfactual things. Uh, but he launched the UWF at that convention, and he. Yeah. He convinced Bruno to be involved with him and Captain Lou. And he eventually got Andre the Giant for a little bit. I mean, so he uh, he was a nut. You know, he, well, was, a crazy, fairness, he was a crazy John, guy. I
0: mean, he was a nut that had, you know,
2: fat pockets, brother. Yeah. I he mean, had, he, uh, wherever the money came from, uh, whether it was his uh, clothing stores or his his ex-wife, I don't know. He had the dough and he went yeah. through a lot of money. Oh yeah. Uh, he uh you know I I knew Herb really really well and he was uh he was a very endearing guy although he was a lunatic. Yeah. Um, and uh he was just one of a kind guy and he and he rolled the dice and he he thought he could take over you know wrestling and thought he could put Vince out of business and he uh he just um he never listened to advice from anybody whether it was from Bruno or yeah. Captain Lou, or any of the big quality performers that he was associated with. Mm-hmm. But, he, you know, he gave it a shot, and he's a piece of wrestling history. And uh, that's yeah. what you got to say, you know.
0: Well, you know, it's, it's, it seems Irby. almost a, a given it's a death knell. It really is. You know, think about it, Dan. It's, it's almost a death knell to, to, to tempt that I'm going to put Vince out of business. I'm going to be bigger than Vince.
1: Right.
0: What why don't even try to compete with Vince. Just do a good
2: show. Yeah. That's like I mean, you know what you, we do here. I mean, if, you do well, if, if you're scale. doing well, Vince is gonna try to squash you anyway.
1: Right, but you, you have yeah, to compete
0: if, if that's going to happen, John, let it happen organically. Don't yeah. tempt fate. Don't words, pick a
1: fight. I mean, hey, thank com- you. Com- compare <laughs> compare the fates WCW had when when TNA tried to do their Monday night show versus yeah. versus like a Ring of Honor or New Japan, which just said we're going to put out a good product and and they, they don't yeah. they're not the anti WWE. I mean, they are with their talent, but y- y- you just well, do a good like show, to the John's fans point, come to Dan,
0: Dan, you know. To John's point, you know, why pick a fight? You know, you know to 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 uh, echo the words of the late Roddy Piper. You know, you don't throw rocks at a man carrying a machine gun. You know, like, why would you want to tempt your fate? Seal your fate before you ever have a chance to fight. You know?
1: exactly.
0: Um, Herb Abrams was an interesting cat, though. Uh, I never knew Herb. I never met Herb. But I know people that worked for Herb. Uh, And in the interest of full disclosure, Herb Abrams Jr. is a friend of mine. Not only on Facebook, but I know him, um, and I can't get him to come on this show and talk. He won't come on here. He doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, why I don't know. I think he's got a hell of a story to tell. If he uh, if he chooses to tell that story, that's another that's another story. <laughs> Quite frankly, but uh, you know. Ultimately, John, you know, why did Herb fail? Was it just insanity or was it or was it really just the drugs? What what happened?
2: Um, I would say it was more probably the um, the demons that he had uh, internally. Yeah, he had a lot of ambition and he was uh, he was a good salesperson. He knew how to convince people oh, sh- to work for him, but I think it was more of the, um, I think it was uh, the personal demons that did him in more than anything else. Good then.
1: No, I was, I was uh, kind of agreeing is, is the, the, it, the, they touched on a lot of it with the Herb Abrams episode of uh, Dark Side of the Ring,
2: mm-hmm. where
1: you, you had a lot of behind the scenes. I mean, really, the UWF is, is probably one of wrestling's biggest coulda stories, woulda coulda what? stories. Yeah, I was you know, a big where... part of
2: the show. I mean, I, I helped them mm-hmm. with the content. I was on the show. I was on camera. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was it was an interesting episode. It really was. I mean, yeah,
0: um, and we, we should point out that story. that's uh, Viceland TV. Uh, cocaine and Cowboy Boots.
1: That's, that's, that's the name Correct. of the
0: episode, yeah. He loved his cowboy boots. <laughs> Apparently... <laughs> Uh, apparently he did, uh, John. One of those individuals that you are associated with throughout history is uh, one Vincent Russo. Um, we're not going to get too much into it because, uh, in the interest of full disclosure, once again, uh, Vince Russo will be a guest on this show in a couple of weeks, bro. Uh, yeah, bro.
1: Way to God, bro.
0: On on Dan's birthday. Now, I would love to be able to give Dan the gift of Vince Russo, but I'm Dan wants the gift of his wife instead. Oh, I oh, love that.
2: Is. This is a gift that you should get. You should commission a painting from Vince.
0: I love it. Look at this shit. Me and
2: my up.
1: nephew. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. Great. Well, if uh, it, 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 you talk about full disclosure, Angelo, I, uh, I actually did talk to the wife about being on the show as you you know you're your resident skeptic and she told me no so i checked with management okay. and my request was denied maybe okay. next
0: time well look as long as you made the valiant effort so now uh, again i don't know i'm going to be honest with you john i don't know vince i've never met vince okay. however i have appeared on shows on vince russo's the brand i've been with uh jessica and rocky and uh big Vito and noel and i've been on their shows and have contributed to to their shows as a guest but i've never um i've never spoken to vince i've never met him i don't know him i know he knows who i am but it's going to be interesting tell us about this guy who is so often misunderstood i call vince russo the most misunderstood guy in wrestling
2: He's the most polarizing guy in wrestling. He, yeah, he. You love him or you hate him, and that's it. There's no in between.
0: Yeah, they're re- you're absolutely right. You either love this guy or you just don't. And so the question is, why is that?
2: Is it just is he honest or is he just so full of shit? Um, you know, my business relationship with Vince only lasted three months. Right. We didn't get along. We had different visions, and uh, I, I didn't like him. Um, and um, today, I could say that I have a good relationship with him. You know, it's not a business partnership or anything, but yeah. I think Vince did a lot of things that were very good. And he did a lot of things that were really shitty. I mean, not good as far as creatively, but he did sure. some amazing things creatively as well. He was very polarizing. He was very ambitious. He wouldn't listen to people. He would just—he had his vision, and that was that. Um, and that's why we split up after you know just three months. But um, he's probably one of the most uh, polarizing figures in the history of pro wrestling, if not the most. Uh, but you know, yeah, I think Vince and I feel this way. I think if he had the opportunity now to do something else, or he's retiring or whatever, I mean, he's getting to that point. But yeah. I think uh, if he could have got out of wrestling a while back and net go back in it, I think he would have been happier. Uh, but um, you know, he's still doing his thing. Uh, I have yeah. not. Ba- I have nothing bad to say about him. I mean. Um, I just wish him well, and um, I consider well, it, him. It's uh, interesting. I mean, I, again, I you know I have. I've never met the guy. I, I have.
0: Nothing well, I think you and him getting
2: together, uh, like doing this.
0: Yeah,
2: going to be an interesting conversation.
0: Yeah, he's 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 coming on the show. Well, you know, and, and in the interest of full disclosure, you know, I've been mistaken for him publicly a few times. Really, and more than more than a couple times. Um, in fact, I, I will just tell everyone. Again, in the interest of full disclosure, Daniel,
2: I have a Vince Russo T-shirt. Daniel and yeah. I have been actually, uh, you know, we, we've we've people have said we look like each other, <laughs> except for I don't have this. I used exactly. to have that when I was younger. You know that?
0: But people say, you know, well, why are you wearing a picture of yourself? Say, That's not me. No, you know? but I've, I've literally been mistaken. for. It. Here's the thing, though.
2: But you're, you're, uh, you're also a psychic. Is that the, is that real?
0: That that's that's what I do. That's my shoot job. Yeah,
2: that's your shoot job.
0: Yeah, Um, I will tell you that I work for three letter agencies. OK, that's all I can say. All right. And I have a few private clients. All righty. And but that's what I do. In mm-hmm. fact, you know, um, they they told Vince about me and uh, they even offered to have me do a reading for him. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, he wouldn't no part of it. You know, he's actually coming on the show because
2: he's a very very religious guy.
0: Yeah, very much so. Mm -hmm. Guess what? So am I. But Mm -hmm. I I call myself religious. I'm spiritual. I I call myself spiritual because I've even said on the show that I'm not a religious guy. I'm really not.
2: Well, I mean, the psychic medium world, I mean, there's always been, uh, you know, if you're a Catholic. I mean, there's there's uh, there mm -hmm. are there are viewpoints and there are views on that. Oh sure, on the side brother. Of I was raised stuff. Roman Catholic. I, I, I believe me. I know. I was
1: too. Yeah. That, yeah that anybody with fun. enough vowels in their name was raised Catholic. We all know that. That's
0: true. <laughs> Very true. So what we're going to do, um, Dan? I'm going to give you a, a couple more, a, a couple more questions, and then, um, you know, well, Dan, you know, you've been vocal. Let's, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take that that. I'm going to take that back, Daniel. Okay. So we've talked privately about Vince Russo. Okay? Yes, sir. Here's a guy that knows him. Okay. What's the one thing, the one misnomer about Vince that you've heard, or information you've heard about Vince that you want to know whether it's true or not? The one, one or two pieces of information.
1: Okay, that's fair. I've, I've had the communications before. I'm it's we. It's weird. You you mentioned hey, there's no black or white. Uh, as a person, I've said positive things. He's he's charity work and his re- spiritual work and all. As a wrestling fan, I don't like what he did to the business. But I'm curious. You mentioned he he, he the that he doesn't work well with others backstage. Um, there's been stories, especially from his time in WCW, where it was almost frat boy esque, like you know uh somebody cut in line in front of me and catering he's losing the title tonight did is is he the kind of guy that has those petty knee jerk booking decisions i
2: i don't know i i i really couldn't answer that because i don't know
1: that's fair uh, honestly that's that's the only narrative i've ever heard that, that i was ever curious I'll, about i'll um, tell you you know I, again
0: me? not not knowing not knowing him dan and even john i'll say this to both of you he seems to me, and and again, I'm just a casual observer. He seems to me very much the, the type of uh, my way or the highway kind of guy. He is. That that's
2: the, the impression I get. But right. That's that's the way he was with me when we had the short term. Uh, okay, like, yeah. You go. And yeah. see the thing about it, you know, he only cared about what was going on with Vince. Yeah, and we had we had a we had a a YouTube live thing, and and we talked all of this out, but at the same time, I really wasn't that concerned about what, and I w- I wasn't that. He didn't know what was going on in my personal life. I didn't know what was going on in his personal life at the time. Yeah. He was losing video stores. Blockbuster was coming in. Mm-hmm. He wanted to segue into the wrestling business, and he, he found we found each other, and he he kind of used me to get into the business. Uh, he put up the money for us to go to a big radio station, but it was a partnership that should have never happened because we were so different in our philosophies. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was in the middle of covering the scandals and he was, uh, uh, he was not on board with some of the stuff that was going on. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just, um, I look at it this way, you know, Jim Cornette calls me patient zero because I was the guy that, uh, brought him in, um, But on the other side of the- uh, it, I was, I was, I was the guy that only lasted three months and I, and it ended Yeah, because I couldn't, I couldn't, he was very ambitious and he was very, we got to do this and we have to do that and we have to do this. And, and, uh, I was not comfortable in the relationship at all and he, and he want, and he, he had aspirations to like shoot right to the top and yeah. that's what he did. So out of anything that Vince Russo's done, he talked himself into the wrestling business through a partnership with me. Yeah. He talked himself into a, a gig with the WWF, and he, he achieved some amazing things in his career with the Attitude Era. And then things yeah. went south for him and uh and he's been never been able to get the glory that happened in those in those early years of attitude era when vince brought him into the creative uh room and and he became vince's right-hand man on the writing yeah Uh, but he, he he he's accomplished a lot of great things but So that's why, I mean, I have um, and I know there's a lot of people that hate him and I know Cornette hates him. And I know there's so many people that hate him. You don't say. But there's also people that like him personally. I mean, I talked to a a top performer, Hall of Fame performer this week and we're talking about Vince a little bit because he's going to be coming on one of my shows uh, Mm -hmm. in the future. And he says, you know, um, Vince, Vince, I love the guy as a person, but his business stuff I'm not too much of a fan of.
0: Yeah,
2: because yeah. he is a great he's a grandfather. He's a family man. Oh, sure. He uh, and he um, he basically um, and I like even the conversation I had with him. When I when when we kind of buried the hatchet a few years ago, mm-hmm. my nephew was the big fan of his. My nephew was the one that kind of said Russo was doing this podcast and he's saying things about your uncle. And and that's when I reached out and we had this thing. And, and then I went to Colorado for the holidays and I went I got together with Vince with my nephew. Yeah. And it was a it was a great breakfast. It was great, and he was so happy uh, uh, that we had. Uh, I saw that.
0: Uh, I saw that YouTube piece that you're talking about, John. Yeah. Now, as far as you know, Vince's success. You know, one thing I learned uh, living in Tennessee, and I think you'll appreciate this, is that they uh, they have an expression there. Even a blind squirrel comes across an acorn every once in a while. mm Hmm. And that was Vince Russo's success. He got lucky. He got it was a moment in time. It'll never happen again. He uh he tried to parlay a career based on something that happened in a year and a half. And he's been chasing that. It's like a guy who who gets high for the first time. You know, he's chasing that high. You know, they they call that Dan chasing the high.
1: Chasing the dragon, yep.
0: Right? You know, and they, they never get that. That high back, that euphoria. And Vince Russo's never gotten it back since. You know, in fact, in a well, process.
2: Maybe, maybe you should discuss that with him next week. Well, I I
0: would love to, but we're, we're not doing a wrestling episode. We're doing a. Oh, a,
2: that's right. That's right. Yeah,
0: I'm doing a Paul McCartney is dead episode. Yeah.
2: I w- you know what,
0: though? I'm going to invite him back
2: to talk about that. Well, thank God Paul McCartney is alive. That's all I could say. <laughs> We think he Alleg- is
1: allegedly <laughs> well then, then if, if I can direct the conversation again, um, I'm curious, y- y- there's an Angelo mentioned, you know, all the old, old sayings and all, uh, there, one of the things as a history guy that, that's always struck me is, is the old story that, that they say, Alexander the Great, you know, he looked upon his empire and wept because there was nothing left to conquer. You know, everything in the world was influenced by his decision. I'm curious, looking at the landscape, If you mentioned Vince Russo, Jim Cornette, Eric Bischoff, us, everywhere you look, there's there's wrestling podcasts and a, and, and the idea of a fan – or someone who's maybe not a formally contracted performer. I mean, I I started as a freelance writer and transitioned into the podcast, taking over for the Angela's former co-host, who was a good friend of mine. That you know, I would never have been able to do this without the foundation that your radio programs and people like you lay, have laid for us. Mm-hmm. Do you look at the current landscape in the digital age and and like appreciate? The importance you've had in it, or is it one of those things where you, if not me, someone else that, that you don't give yourself the credit for?
2: Um, I think I was a um, – I think I was ahead of my time back then with Absolutely. the conventions and sure. with you know, uh, you know, know, bringing mm-hmm. Lucha Libre here in 93 with Ron Scholar. I think the radio show – I think there's a lot of things that I did that were a little bit ahead of its time. Uh, so I look back at what I am today, and the only thing I am today is a historian – and an analyst i don't really give two shits about the product today i mean i'm not saying uh, against it or bad i there's some things that are good and not my yeah. role and why I am back is to uh is to share with the fans the memories of wrestling the way it used to be. Yeah. And I'm Thank launching you. a website in about in two or three weeks. I have f- movies that I shot at Madison Square Garden as a 13 year old, mm-hmm. uh, Andre the Giant's first match there. I have 10,000 pictures. I have uh, about 40 or 50 films from the garden. I have audio from the 70s, 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. I have videotapes when I was a wrestling promoter in the 90s that people have never seen before. Yeah, that's my role. Yeah, it's not a it's not a today guy. Uh, and, yeah, and basically exactly. what, what I hope, what, what I hope, uh, what I hope, and my demographic is not a kid. My demographic is somebody forty plus, right? Who are going to remember the old days? And that's exactly. I know what my I know what my niche is. That's why I got a book deal. I got you know my book's coming out next year, and it's and it's a story about what I did, not only in wrestling but a country music. It's a story True. about a guy with multiple personalities, music guy John Alexander. Wrestling guy, John Arezzi, Sure. New York New York Mets guy. Uh, so, it, uh, so that's what my role is, and and uh, so I think people appreciate. I think people appreciate what I did. The ones that are still around, because sure. I hear from them every day. My old listeners are still. A lot of them are still there, and when I came back, a lot of people thought I was dead because I was gone. I disappeared for twenty three years. Right. So they all thought I was dead. And all of a sudden I I put up a Twitter account and I and I start, you know, and then Brian last does a podcast with me. Go back 30 years Mm -hmm. and listen to a show uh, that took place 30 years ago every week. And people are loving and there are thousands of people listening. What does that that tell you? What does that tell you? It people have a uh, fondness for nostalgia.
0: It tells me people remember wrestling the way it used
2: to fucking be when it was the older ones, not the kids. They don't fucking know what wrestling was uh, when Bruno. They don't give a shit about them. They care about guys like us. Right. Yeah. That's who I'm marketing to. I'm not marketing to a a demographic (laughs) of anybody under 40 years old.
0: No. I'm going to tell you something. John, I'm going to tell you something. And Dan will tell you. Dan will tell you. He's the young pup. But this young pup knows his history. Okay.
2: Well, yeah, but he's in the late 30s, right? Late 30s, 30, you said? Yeah, I turned 37 at the well, end of the We got offer. guys.
0: On <laughs> the cusp. The average age of our guest is 65 and up, mm-hmm. okay? The average age. We talk to people like Scott Casey, Johnny Mantell. Um, oh, my God. Uh, uh, Davey O'Hannon, J.J. Dillon, mm-hmm. Tony Villano, um, Dominic DiNucci, who's coming on the show next week. Hope he's uh, feeling
2: well. Hope he's good, right? Bill, he's, Bill oh, Dundee. he is. Yeah, yeah. He's, do- he's doing real
0: well. I love that. Um, well, I mean, we've got Dan. I mean, we have, it's like a who's who. It's like a oh, Hall yeah. of Fame. A Mount, how do you say it, Dan? The Mount Rushmore the of Mount,
1: Mount, The Mount Rushmore of wrestling. But,
0: you know, and, and I've said this before. I've said it publicly, privately, anybody who cares to listen. We don't do a wrestling podcast. We do a history show. This is history. This, this is, we're, we are preserving the history. Right. And What I call, I call it preserving, protecting, and defending the history and integrity of wrestling the way it was, the way it used to be. My company w- back when was called NCW All-Star Wrestling. And it's funny, John, because my copyrighted and trademarked um, slogan was the way wrestling used to be. And I'm going back 25 years. Okay? Again, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yes, sir. That's why Dan and I do what we do. You'll notice that we talked you and I talked the human element tonight. And that's what Dan and I do. We talked the, about the, the personal aspect. I don't give a shit about this match or that match. I could care two shits about what match or, or who met who or I got my picture with this guy. I don't give a flying fuck. I care about the history that you bring. And you bring, my friend, a plethora of wrestling history. Dare I say, without John Arezzi, we probably wouldn't be here talking about John Arezzi.
2: That's, that's absolutely really kind correct. of you. I don't know how true that is, but that's kind of you.
0: It's it's quite true. Let's. I mean, think about it. You know, I did a radio show. You did a radio show, but you were able to do something I didn't think about doing, involving the people, telephone calls from listeners. Who would have ever thought? Uh, well, especially in Philadelphia, because Philly's a tough crowd. Who'd have ever thought that somebody would actually give a shit to call in a radio station and talk about wrestling? Are you kidding me? Right. We fought to stay on the air every damn week. Because we had the Phillies. We had the Eagles. You know. The Sixers. All like really bad sports teams that people fucking loved. Okay. But then we had this. This underground market of wrestling fans, you know, the silent majority that used to rise up on Saturday nights at the Spectrum. You know? Thunderous, 25,000, 30,000 of them, you know? After the building would fill up, they'd be outside. Somebody would run back and forth between the inside and outside, filling everybody in on what was going on. I'm sure they had guys like that. They used to call them runners. I'm sure the garden had guys like that too. Guys that would run outside and tell everybody what was going on inside. You Don't know, John, you garden. know what I'm talking about? We had guys like that.
1: Don't forget with the garden. Bruno's got the the record for sellouts and, and now that won't even be touched. And the closest oh, the close, no. second place is still almost a hundred away. That's yeah. never going to happen. So was oh, a time God, and
2: please. place that will never happen again. He, uh, he, he was beloved by the ethnic yeah, fa- uh, fantasy in the Northeast. Yeah, he surely was.
0: Brother, I'm going to tell you what. I am so thankful to have had you here absolutely. for as, uh, as long as we have. Um, go ahead and promote the uh, Pro Wrestling Spotlight, to uh, you know, promote Brian and Arcadian Vanguard. Yeah,
2: uh here's the platforms. Um the podcast is PWS uh, PWSpod.com. Every week we go back thirty years to listen to an old Pro Wrestling Spotlight in chronological order. Uh have a Patreon for that, patreon.com slash resi For five bucks a month, you get every show unedited with commercials included. So uh, we have 56 shows up there. Now I have enough content. Brian and I will be doing pro wrestling spotlight then and now for the next uh, four years. Cause I have nice. enough radio shows for the next four years. Uh, I have a live show every Saturday on Facebook. It's pro wrestling spotlight live. And that could be seen uh, at uh, facebook.com slash John Matt memories. I've had Conan on with Ron Scholar. I've had Mick Foley. I've had, and each and every week it's live. And I take, I, I take, questions uh from people as well mm-hmm. uh so that's uh the live show uh my twitter is at john Arezzi. my instagram is at john Arezzi. uh matt is the new website it's going to be 7, 7.99 a month when we launch it in a in, before the end of the summer but you could sign up now get a lot of bonus content for free uh and when this site launches you're gonna you're gonna dive back into history and you're gonna be able to see thousands of pictures of all the big stars from uh, the 1970s, from the WWF, NWA, all the shows. There that you I go. Had. So, I mean, there's a lot going on, and my book comes out um, next year on ECW Press. It's called Matt Memories," uh, and it's uh, it's uh, my wild ride in pro wrestling, country music, and with the Mets. So that's what I got going on. It's almost a full-time gig for me again. You did no shit. <laughs> yeah, I left sure the music is. business. I'm winding down to retirement. I've come 360. I started in pro wrestling, and this is where I'm going to end.
1: There you go. Beautiful. What's old is new again.
2: Absolutely.
1: Uh, well, and I thank, friend, you
2: guys for, uh, thank you guys for inviting me on tonight. No, this was an I honor. Thank, thank
0: you. you for accepting. We'd love to have you back, too. Love to have you back. I wish we had more time. No, well, we cool. only have an hour and a well, I, I have an hour and a half show. Uh, John, thank you so much. Uh, we're definitely going to call upon you to, to join us again.
2: All right. Best of luck to you guys. Thank,
0: thank you. you so much. Take care, John. John Erezzi, everyone. All right, Dan, just you and me. What it's, a, what a it's great interview. It's funny just uh, you and I, you know. it's uh, Normally, we've got five windows open here with... Uh, you know, I, say,
1: I take I take nothing away from some of our rotating panelists, but the conversation flows smoother with less voices.
0: I know. I know. I don't know what to do. I'd like uh, it was always, you know, I don't know what to do. Like if Mike Messi is not promoting something, <laughs> M- Mike is always promoting something. You know, I can't promote Mike dot com. Mike, he's not here.
1: Oh, you could still give him a shout well, out.
0: Well, I can still give him a shout out, like you know,
1: like you just did.
0: Maybe, yeah. Here you go. Yeah. Well, just for you know, because I'm, I'm feeling sentimental tonight. For all your Mike Messier wants, needs, and desires, if his name was a website, it would be MikeMessier.com. Go see him at MikeMessier.com. What's his name? Mike Messier. <laughs> All right, Mikey, get well. We hope that your uh, your hernia or your hemorrhoids or both are, uh, are not flaring up on you.
1: Thought thought we'd go the whole show without another one of those.
0: I know. I can't help. I'll... Shades of Andrew Anderson. Jeez. The, oh, by Poor the way, guy. that was a great show. Andrew's going to come back, too. Um, so what do you got to promote? Anything going on with Dan?
1: Uh, well, we've got... Uh... Couple of shows coming up on the on the YouTube channel. Obviously, we, uh, last episode we talked. We've got a new series, uh, cut a promo with the Bearded Wonder Jason Tuttle and WWE Superstar Rico. That yeah. first episode posted this week, so check that out.
0: Great episode too. Uh, yes, really sir. was. We've
1: got we've got more uh, of of Mikey's life lessons, and we've got life a couple lessons of good-
0: with Mike Messier. Yep. I can't believe I said it again, Mike Messier. Oh, and the other thing so uh Mike Messier's wrestle ride. Yeah forgot about that. You know? Um also um Mike Messier's films and documentaries.
1: Yeah, plenty of plenty of good re- content. Mike
0: Messier channel dot com part two. <laughs> <No>.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've got We've got plenty of good content, uh, obviously, oh, on the you YouTube page. Oh, to ask
0: you, Dan. What's yes. going on with the ref's roundtable? When's, when's the, the next roundtable coming out?
1: Uh, we've got, well, I've, I had one set up for, uh, cause I, I'll be uh, in and out the next couple of weeks. So okay. I've got one in the can ready to go. We've got two more coming up in the next week. Um, obviously, okay. with, with uh, Jason filming his new show, uh, our usual panel, we went in every different, which different direction. Uh, but we'll be yeah. back next week with new content. We've got a couple of uh, indie guys talking. We've reached out to a couple of wrestlers. We've got um, obviously, you know, from from last week, mm-hmm. and um, we've got uh, again continuing to hunt down, try and do a, a, the the fame the CTE special. That's a huge story. I've well, doing i well. Every-
0: little Birdie told me Dan that we may have uh, a special show on the paranormal with some guys from the Ghost Hunters.
1: Yes, um, I was going to mention that we've got uh the the television show ghost hunters we're going to have a couple of surprise call-ins for that That's going to be one of our regular shows i um, pulling up all the information now i apologize i had the notes for uh upcoming our our upcoming shows so i closed the window but uh obviously uh like i mentioned uh, our good friend, Ray Savino, he's a, a friend of mine. He was a friend of Jeff Robinson's, and he's going to sure. be on, on doing uh, discussing Paranormal, and we're going to be joined by, as of now, we've got call-ins, call-ins from uh, Daryl Marston and Mustafa Gadolori, who's, uh, they're both from the television show Ghost Hunters. Okay. Um, it's going to be interesting on my end. I already discussed that they're, they're, they've got uh, some some new stuff coming up. Obviously, their big thing now is they run a series of public ghost hunts, which, are just picking up now as COVID's allowing people to be in groups.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
1: it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because that's gonna be a discussion from the perspective of again, you talk about the people side because you know, you know my well, my uh the,
0: the, the thing about the ghost hunts that's interesting Dan is that? that because these these ghost hunting groups are generally smaller clustered groups anyway four to six people, generally no more than four or five, Yes, um, they have a little bit more leeway, a little bit more accessibility than perhaps a group of 10, 15, or 20, you know, a a larger group. Right. Um, So it's going to be interesting. I would love to see, you know, a small group of maybe, you know, four or five people uh You know investigate uh, or do a um, you know a haunt I would love to be able to present that in fact as a special episode on the show I, I would love to be able to do a live uh, what, what do you think about that doing like a live ghost well, I,
1: I will say that's that's an interesting thought the problem is going to be getting because obviously you have people in different states but the other problem too is anybody. Uh, no offense to our platforms, but you, uh, live streaming on YouTube is not easy. They're, yeah, U- it's YouTube hard. has taken their time to catch up. Um, especially now, their their big push recently has been for gaming. You know, they're trying to catch up with companies like Twitch. But yeah. live streaming on YouTube's a little difficult. Um, as well, far as our main, we
0: do have a bearded wonder. You know
1: that is true. Yes, That's sir.
0: Pretty good that way. So we're going to have to. Pick his brain a little.
1: Yes, what else we got and, going on? Well, we've got uh, next week, we've got the discussion on the Territory Days on the 21st. July 21st, you mentioned that. Yes. That's going to be a great show. Uh, July 23rd, our friend Baby Doll's coming back. Baby doll, yes. So uh, that's, I mean, anybody who, the, the first time we talked to her and anybody who's ever heard her talk, that's a great interview altogether. Yeah. Uh, on the 28th is your special show with the Sage Quay and Vince Russo discussing yep. the, Could whether or not the. Whether or not the 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 man who identifies himself as Paul McCartney is who he says he is, that should be interesting.
0: We will find out.
1: And then then coming up, the first week of August, uh, August fourth is going to be our paranormal show, and August sixth is going to be part three with Bill Dundee, who's uh, that's that was we obviously. I mean, you talk about somebody who knows some stories. Um, oh boy, but we've got we've you got a lot of good a stuff ten coming. Partner
0: up. with Bill and never get the same story twice.
1: Absolutely. I, yeah. love oh, well, my he, God, I love Bill I'm guy he love bill really bill cool. reminded me to doing the interviews with Bill and reminded me of the two parts we did with Sam Houston where yeah. You you can just a kernel of story can turn into a lifetime of memories from one question. And next thing you know, you've been talking for two hours and I got to three questions on my paper. That's not a criticism of how much he talks. It's a it's it's a it's a compliment to the depth of the stories he can tell.
0: Exactly. Exactly. People don't understand that. They say, oh, I wish you'd ask more questions. Why? Right. Why?
1: Well, I mean, you you remember our our it was a part two with Sam Houston. It was an hour and ten minutes into the show before anybody got a word in because it, just, it was just one story to the other to topic for which we were great. very grateful. Exactly, and that's the people side of things that we do. <laughs> hey, hey, now, but um, I mean, as far as uh, our as far as know, our you're
0: platforms on me, brother. You're really
1: <laughs> as as far as our platforms were. Uh, obviously, on YouTube, we're on Facebook. Uh, fa- we also have the closed Facebook group, Wrestling with the Future podcast. We're on Twitter at Wrestling Future. That's no G, Wrestling Future. Um, uh, y- you and I are both on Twitter. I'm uh at the man underscore WWTF,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and your yes, Twitter handle is Psychic Media uh,
0: at uh, Psychic Angelo on Twitter.
1: Psychic Angelo, um,
0: yep, find me on Facebook. I'm I'm real easy to find at Psychic Angelo. There you go. Um, did you do our Instagram at Wrestling with the Future on Instagram? Yep.
1: Yes, sir. I forgot about it. That's our relatively new platform yeah, wrestling at new. Wrestling Future Instagram.
0: Yeah, we got little video clips up there. We've got photos, we've got our guest list up there. If you want to huh? see who's been here, who's coming. We got our guest list up there. We got I'm I'm adding it's a slow process because there's just one right. of me. Um, I don't have a team like John does. God bless him. Um, so I have to do like, you know, old school one at a time, you right. know, I well, need, and- I need about five more Jason, the bearded wonders, <laughs> you know, loading everything, yeah, but you,
1: you wouldn't, you wouldn't be a wonder if there was too many of you.
0: I know. I tell you what, God, that man has been amazing.
1: And, he, and, and I'm, I'm. It. As, Hell as of long a as...
0: website he's putting together for us too
1: Oh yes, and as, as long as Jason and I have been, Jason and I have been friends for a long time And I'm, I'm glad he became a part of this But for those obviously uh, on the podcast side Anywhere podcasts are For those on YouTube Don't yeah. forget to like, share, and subscribe uh, Buy the t-shirts and... oh, We
0: got we. I wanted to tell you We picked up a couple of stations
1: Uh oh, here we go
0: Yeah, I gotta find out I didn't even know, I just found out today We picked up a couple of stations, and um, I'm gonna tell you who they are. Here, here we go. Um, The uh, oh, here we go. Um, We're on. We are on Podtail. We are on uh, Backtrack FM. Nice. We are now on. Chartable.com. Okay. Um we are uh on where else are we? I just I just saw it. Here we go. And where was that other one? I just saw it. Oh for God's sakes. Um Chartable Backtracks, Podtail Um and I, those are—I had four, but those are the three that.
1: That's that's fair. I forgot where
0: the hell I put the other one at. Anyway,
1: uh, a, a bit of a pat on the back shout out to ourselves. The reason our s- number of st- stations picking us up continues to expand, as of last month, we had exceeded two million downloads on the yeah. show, which is impressive. We we've touched on before the average lifespan of a pro wrestling podcast is about three episodes. We've exceed. We were over a hundred and uh more than 2 million downloads and the, yep. the, the the innovator of of really without without him we wouldn't have wrestling podcasts was just yeah, on the show yeah you
0: know what he's real humble about it too jeff you know what i mean oh god oh, please oh my god i only said jeff holy smokes well wow I've, I've, you know I've, I've, i got to tell you dan i've been th- i've been thinking about him a lot lately
1: yeah, yeah um, I, 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 mixing us up i'm sure he'd get a kick out of that
0: yeah, he's probably pissed on himself laughing. <laughs> but I've been thinking about him a lot lately. I've been seeing his pictures come up in Facebook. You know, his, his mother and sister mm-hmm. are on Facebook. And occasionally they'll like something that I put up there. And, you know, and then, it, of course, it says, Je- you know. I mean, yeah. oh, anyway, well, Jeff, we love you. We miss you, brother. Man. Yes, sir. Um, So anyway, Dan, I'll tell you what, as far as I'm concerned, Jeff is here anyway, because he's the one that picked you.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: for Dan, the man, I'm still psychic Angelo, little darker, little whiter, still (laughs) the same guy. We, uh, we appreciate everything you've done for us, folks. We'll be here next week. Same time, same podcast channel. Um, I don't, boy. I'm really screwed myself up with that one, boy. I tell you, my my head's all screwed. You're gonna have to say goodbye to us.
1: All right. Well, uh, like like uh, I said, don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Uh, We've said a lot, and we'll see you next time.
0: Take care, everybody. Have a